All right, welcome everyone to Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, I am jamming with Anthony, who is a former NFL athlete, American Ninja Warrior on NBC, international speaker, host of the Aw Shift podcast, and the founder of Identity Shift Coaching. He uses cutting edge science and psychology to upgrade how you operate so you can elevate your life and business to reach your full potential. After being given away into foster care at the three years old, being adopted into an all white family at 14, and losing his NFL career to injury, he learned how to shift at a very young age. And now his life mission is teaching others how to make shift happen in their lives. I just can't wait to get into that word shift. I just love it. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Before we dive into all the awesome that you're putting out in this world, there's a lot of, uh, there's a, definitely an overlapping network. And it's, it's funny, once we were introduced and I started doing the research, and oh, yeah, that, that's awesome. He's on that show. He knows that person. And you start looking at the testimonials through your work. And I just can't wait to unpack some of that energy. There's just this beautiful vibe uh, to, to your spirit and, and what you do. So, you know, be- before we get there, I really want, I, I just want to know where that comes from. Like, who are you? What, what <laughs> defines you today? What defines Anthony? I'm a, uh, I'm a man of God. I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. Uh, and then I am well, actually I'm also a friend and then I'm a businessman as, and a servant man, but it's all kind of ties together. I'm serving in some capacity in all areas of life. I, I don't know where that, you know what it is. I'm settled inside, man. I think that's one of the big things for me. I, I find as I meet a bunch of people uh, over the years, it's like some people I can be around. I had a conversation with my wife maybe two years ago at a, at a soccer game with my son. And I was, I was watching the game and there's a guy that just kept talking to me. I was like, why am I so like borderline <laughs> aggravated by this human? And I could sense like he just, there was something about him wasn't settled. And I had this thought like, man, I, I don't do well with people that aren't settled inside. And it's a journey, right? Getting there, is, it's a process. So yeah, I, I was going to say my, the majority aren't settled. <laughs> yeah, majority aren't, man. So it's not that I can't hang out with people, but yeah. some people, if it's we're in a capacity, if I'm working with you, that's, that's where I want to show up, right? But the reality yeah. is I, I don't have that much time for a lot of people in life. There's some some core life priorities. But for me, I'm just settled inside at this point. I know who I am. Uh, and when I want to look at the next tier of my life, I know who I need to be. But it's because I'm aware of who I am and I can always level up. And there's things that I want to work on as a human. Uh, but I also realized that, that uh, dude, when, when I'm settled inside, I'm not worried about other people and what they say, what they do, how they look at me. You know, it's like, I'm just going to do my thing. I know my core values. I know my principles. I know what matters to me. And I just go. And I think that it puts you in a place where I'm never in a, a space of, of being like, I guess, negative towards other humans. I don't, yeah. I don't carry a weird energy of wanting to, you know, to be just real all sporadic. I just, man, people are at peace around me. And I find that draws humans in. Uh, and we get to work together, man, whether it's I'm just having a conversation, doing a podcast or it's a clientele thing I do. But man, I just, I want to experience this life. I don't want to just go through it, doing things as actions. I want to experience it. And it's much easier when I'm settled inside. Totally. It's such a gift. I mean, you know, the more you dive into psychology and mental fitness and religions and uh, just, you know, philosophies towards living life. It, it just, for me at least, it just really keeps coming back to present moment, awareness, the inner game, all of that, right? Yeah. It's, um, so, it, you know, it almost seems obvious, uh, probably because we're so in it, but at the same time, probably one of the hardest things 
to master or to at least yeah. start the process. So, you know, why don't you back us up a bit just to share a little bit of your backstory? Because I, I would imagine um, you weren't always settled. That's that's for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> I wish that'd be <laughs> yeah. nice. I was, you know, I grew up in crazy man. My uh, my first you know moments and memories of life was growing up in foster care and. And I, I dealt with a lot, a lot of trauma as a kid, man. I was, you know, beaten and starved as a kid. So my mom gave us all away at three. It was me and my three siblings. And she put us into a system at the time. It's what's called a paycheck. Paycheck means that the people that are taking care of me, they get their paycheck. Uh, mm. And as long as I don't die, I was right in the world. And I mean, by that, it was a very you know, big stretch of space. Some people would beat us, starve us, um, you know, torture us, just weird things, man. And at that time, it was like 1986. There's no phones. There's no videos. You can't, you're yeah. saying things. But social workers don't believe you because they think you're making up lies just to go back to your real family. And so, man, I just had a lot of that going on. At six years old, after three years of just craziness, I landed my family, which is my family now. The craziness didn't end. <laughs> like, I wish I could be like, oh, no. <laughs> sure. But, you know, it was, it, was, it was love. It just was like still a very dysfunctional family. I'm the only black person in that all-white family. So a lot of diversity issues, a lot of identity issues. Um, you know, not feeling like I mattered was a commonality for me. Like it just was a normal daily feeling of like, I just don't matter to anybody. I don't belong anywhere. And so like, that was my, my entrance into just not being settled ever. I had no reason to be, I was always scared of I'm going to be moved somewhere. I didn't connect with people very well. My real mom would just kind of ruin my emotions for a lot of years. And uh, yeah, so by 14, I'd gone through a lot of crazy and I finally got to the point of, of wanting to sever my real mom's rights and get adopted by this family that had been trying to adopt me for a while. And so the first time I was okay. 14, when I finally knew that the pillow I woke up on, I would go to bed on. Like 14 was the first time I had that feeling. Wow. So for me, I just, instability was my stability. Like I was normalized there. It's so weird. Like to this point in my life, I don't like change, but man, do I handle it well. Like I can just lean in, things go on. Like, all right, let's keep on, you know, chugging along. And, uh, and that was kind of the beginning of, of life, man. I, I, you know, I wish I could say it all went up and up from there. There's definitely some roller coaster moments to hear, but that was kind of where the foundation of it began was, was me figuring out like an internal conversation of who are you, man? Where do you fit? And starting the journey towards figuring that guy out. Yeah. Is that, so when you started asking those questions, what, around what age do you think you were starting to actually unpack that? Uh, 15 actually. So the first couple so of years young. of football, man, I was horrible. Like I was really bad at the game. It's funny. Okay. I played the NFL, but I was really bad when I started. Cause most guys, you know, they're starting at the age of shooting, you know, seven, eight, and I'm not till 14, I'm six or seven years behind my peers. And it showed hundred <laughs> percent showed. <laughs> and the first few years, man, I was beat up. I was, I was trashed. And the funny thing is whenever we do things um, that we're not very good at, but we love doing, it's a very weird dynamic to sit in because I love this thing, but I'm really bad at it. And I met with the realization that I'm bad, so it hurts. And then we have to figure out, well, how much hurt are we willing to take every day emotionally? And at a certain point, I did what most people do. I was like, I'm chalking this up. So at 15, I chalked it up, man, done. I'm like, I'm done with this thing. And at the same time, my adoptive mom got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. My older brother, who was like the, you know, the head of all six of us, like he was like my rock. He went to the military, which is good for him, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then I'm sitting in this position where like, man, who is aunt and where do I fit? And I, I given it all up and I had this excuse in my head of like, dude, you're foster kid. You're not supposed to do well. And I didn't know until recently, but if you look at any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. Half the homeless wow. population, like less than 1% of us ever graduate from college. So statistically, the moment my mom gave us away at three years old, I fell into a bucket where I'm not supposed to crawl back out. And, you know, at 15 years old, I had chalked it up. I was all done with it. And I was sitting in a class 
Mr. Howell's English class was in a portable Antioch High School. And I'm, in a, I'm sitting there with this park over my head, falling asleep in class, checked out, like I'm done with life. And these two girls are talking and one says to the other one, without even knowing I'm paying attention, she says, well, well, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. <laughs> and it's not, a, it's not a really big thing, right? It's a simple statement, but dude, here was the gift. The gift was, I got to hear my excuse out loud and realize how stupid it sounded. Powerful. And we don't always get that gift, man. We're, most people go through life like, well, why didn't you get your workout in today? Oh, I couldn't find my shoes. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. why'd you eat that food? Oh, I was just hungry. Like, that was your excuse. Come on, Sherry. Like, we can work on something a little better, right? And so what happened is I had this thought in my head of like, ooh, I don't like how that sounds. And I went home, 15 years old. And I remember standing in my room, looking in this mirror, like it was like an 18 by 12 inch mirror that I had on my wall where I would brush my hair. Cause I had, you know, you gotta get waves when you're young black man, you gotta have some waves, man. <laughs> and so I would sit there and brush my hair before school. And I remember standing there that day and I looked at myself and I said, and I'm serious, the weirdest thing, if you think about it, 15 year old kid in this room, like five inches from the mirror, and I looked at my pupils. I was like, Mark, I said, Anthony, you're gonna be great. And that was it, like it was a simple statement. But it started some wheels spinning, dude, like in a whole different direction in terms of what my life was going to be. And it led me down a path of taking actions towards, towards what I am now, you know. And there's multiple stages, obviously, along the way. But that yeah. was my brain first turned on to, like, it's time to go to work. That was one of the big first shifts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, I, um, I'm pretty obsessed or uh, passionate and direct a lot of energy towards helping people start a journaling practice and mm -hmm. you know what kind of sparked when you were speaking there was just that you know being able to see what you were saying or hear what you were saying from another perspective and and that's that's one of those mental fitness practices i think that journaling uh, can really help pull out right because often we have these all these narratives running through our mind but if we can just slow down enough and and write some of that stuff out and you look at that and it's like holy shit i mean I'm, I'm a dick to myself, you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. yeah, but you need, you need some sort of break in that, in the cycle, right? Yeah. If you don't get it, you're stuck and it's a, it's a downward spiral. I was having a conversation with a client yesterday and it was like this, this negative kind of perspective and viewpoint. I'm like, man, if you don't, if you don't realize that momentum is always created, like it's always starting you don't realize like when you start going in the negativity spiral, like you'll negatively compound over and over and over again. You got to take an action in the opposite when you don't feel like it. But if not, bro, we could be legitimately the only enemy we have. Yeah. So, I mean, before we get into present day and, and, and the work that you're uh, involved with, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just, just from the research, it, I picked up that there was a mix of, well, from what you just shared now, there was a bit of a shift there and kind of a light bulb moment to realizing that you are great. And I would mm -hmm. say, it seems like you started to rechannel a lot of those emotions from your childhood to just rock it in, in football, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. It, I don't think it was like that, to be honest. Things was a <laughs> few, okay. Uh, so, I mean, what I usually like tell people is like that there's a certain point in time right there. It was, it was like this thought of what took place. And yeah, I channeled it to football, but I, did, I didn't know what I was really doing. I think we do that, right? We don't really know. And to be yeah. honest, the statement I tell people is where this whole kind of concept came from. I call it what you create creates you. And here's what I realized. I got to this moment where I showed up and I was like, dude, I, I have no idea if I'm going to be great. But what I do know is if I do nothing, I won't be great. Simple. So seriously, simple mm -hmm. concept. So I was like, I got to do something. 
So I committed to doing what it took to be great before I knew I'd be great. And that was like the, the key commitment. But this, here's where it showed up, man. I got to the point where every single day I would throw a football in the air for 500 reps to catch it. I would run routes. I'd lift weights. I would do something every day. And I, I wouldn't go to sleep till I got certain things done. And what it turned into was this compounding creation of this, this stronger athlete. Like I was stronger. I had better skill sets in catching a football. I could move better, all these things. But he, dude, that wasn't the magic. That wasn't, I don't think that was really what made me a better athlete because I was still a skinny little dude. Like I, <laughs> I go to practice. I was still, you know, I could like inhale my stomach and put my hands inside my ribs, you know, like I was <laughs> a skinny guy, but, but here, Mark, here's the difference, dude. And this is where the statement I'm, I'm going to say in a second is going to come to it, but here's what took place. I showed up and I was a monster the next year, one year, dude from freshman to sophomore year, I showed up sophomore year an animal. There was no way when that ball was in the air that anybody was getting it but me. I don't care if it was thrown to me or to you, it was my ball because it was in the air. I don't care if, if you're running at me, do not even consider for a second that you're gonna get past me. I am going to tackle you. And how dare you think as I'm running at you, you have the right to tackle me. Do you know what I did last year? You know how many balls I caught, how many reps I took, how many you know weights I lifted, how many routes I ran. How, what makes you think that you not even doing that work like I did has the right to take me down? It was this different mentality. Okay. And what I realized was, this is the statement, man, what you create creates you. The process of creation is so long and it's difficult and it's hard that when you get those muscles, man, there is no way that you will let somebody give you anything less than what you deserve. And the crazy thing in life is as humans, we'll fight for what we deserve. If that's my piece of cake, I'm a punch in the face if you try to take my cake, man. I deserve that cake, right? Yeah. But the problem is, like, and the good thing is, yes, if you set your standards high and work towards it, you deserve more, you'll fight for more. But the problem is in life, not enough people have a level of something that they deserve that's high enough. So they also fight for what they deserve. They'll fight to stay small. They'll fight to be in a place where they don't have to get exposed. So weirdly, like at that moment in time, I didn't realize at 15 years old, I was living a life lesson that, that has been the foundation of my world and what I teach today. But it's that process of how do I get someone to create? Because my work's identity in that window, in that small little space, I made the biggest shift of my life. I went from being that foster kid who didn't deserve much, wasn't supposed to do anything to a guy that stood tall and took what I wanted. Not because I you know, was entitled to it, because I earned it. Where, so where do you think the, the motivation or the inspiration, like, was there someone around you? Was it books? Was it like, what, what was it that, you know, allowed you to flip into that mindset? Cause I'm, you're, you're right. Um, I mean, it's, it's a huge, huge shift. Yeah. Nobody, I, I wish I could say someone's around. So my family, uh, just so it's like, you know, man, my, my mom and dad, they are not, you know, wealthy people. My mom passed, um, 2014, but she you know, was never a person that made a bunch of money. We were always in debt, very poor growing up. I, in the whole family, I'm the only one who actually graduated from the high school without like a continued education or a GED. Uh, you know, at the same time, only one in my immediate family or my extended family to have a college degree. Like the, it's not a norm for us. This isn't okay. part of our, our world and our life. And so to be honest, what it was, was I was just compounding, man compounding over time a perspective of, of what I thought was going to be, you know, the thing that would move me in the next direction. And as I continue to keep progressing forwards, you know what it was, was every day I didn't want to let yesterday's Anthony down. Mm. I would do something today. And as I did things today, I didn't want to wake up and go, you know what? I did it yesterday, but today's Anthony, he doesn't care about yesterday. 
And that was the compounding, man. That was kind of the, the it was a progressive switch because I don't think anybody wakes up one day and goes, oh, I'm amazing today. And it <laughs> yeah. happened last Thursday at 7 p.m. It's this thing where over time you compound it and you almost get lost in the flow. And then one day you wake up and go, oh, oh, wow. At some point back there, man, I became a badass. I don't know when it was, but it took place. Yeah. Well, I think for me, the, and the reason I asked that question is just to see, you know, for anyone on the other line that is going through something, you know, I, my goal or my hope is that in listening to the story and, and the situation that there's something in there that might serve as that trigger like you, you had with the, with the girl in your class, right? And figuring out like something to disrupt the autopilot. I think that's the, that's the big one, at least what I notice often and even in myself. Hey friends, if you like this show, I've got another podcast that you'll enjoy and it's from a past guest of Behind the Human. It's called Life Done Better, hosted by health coach and supermodel Jill DeJong. She talks to the world's most inspiring minds in health and wellness through open and honest conversations, inviting self-discovery, inspiration, and practical solutions to life's challenges. You can find Life Done Better with supermodel Jill DeJong on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, back to the show. So, Anthony, when it comes to the language shift, I'd love to talk to you about that because, I mean, it's pretty obvious just in, in what you've described so far in your journey. There's been a couple big shifts. You know, there's some you know physical shifts in terms of your training, but for sure mental shifts. But yeah. when when did like when did that language start showing up? Because I just as soon as I started seeing your your work and your your language, it, I, I felt like I was doing one of these like yes yes like that shift that's it's, <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, you know what it is? It showed up because. So, I mean, there's a whole journey of my life. And it's funny, as, as you're living life, you don't realize what you're doing until later on when you get the, the right, you know, we'll call bifocals and filter to be like, oh, that's what that was, right? So many, many shifts in my life that were unintentional and didn't realize what we were doing and then realized we all make them, but no one's put a label to it. And here's what I found. Uh, in the work I do now, change is a very, it's a, it's a big topic, right? It's change, it's, it's pivot, it's redirection, it's all that. And the reality is, is like, we, we're not all of us aren't changing, but we are shifting because change is a very difficult word. It's, it's a heavy word. When I yeah. hear change, like there's a lot that goes in, like change everything, change your mind. Wait, wait, wait. That's a lot of work, right? Or I'm even change your clothes sometimes like, oh, I got to go in there and change. You know, like it's not really meant with, with, you know, something unique. But when I think about shift, if you think about it, it already has the aspect of, of uh, like a verb, like a motion to it. There's that's shifting. It's just the word of what it is. And I find a lot of us in life, it's a lot of the things we're doing. It's not making vast changes, but making small shifts that are easier. It sounds easier, but it also has the most profound change in the back end of it. So mm. when I wanted to, you know, change my, uh, my marriage, I, I, it's hard to change it to be something better. Like at a certain point I was divorced, you know, we got remarried later, but I had to shift a lot of my perspectives, a lot of my, you know, empathy, a lot of my, my uh, honestly, just actions towards how I lived life. But in making those shifts, the same compounding took place when I was a kid, right? A shift in mentality that made me do certain things every day changed my life, right? Same thing changed my marriage. It's changed my parenting, changed my business. But none of it was a change in the business. It was shifts in things I did every single day. Sure. So is it is it a essentially a trust in those micro shifts? Because I mean, I, you know, the day to day obviously continues to happen. 
And there's got to be some sort of driving factor, you know, like with the marriage and with, well, just everything that comes up, but just trusting that, okay, this is, this is another one of those little micro shifts. If I keep to it, uh, I know that this is going to pan out. Yeah. The way you want. Well, there's there's always two of them. There's two types. There's a a proactive and a reactive. A lot of us right now, we experience and are experiencing the entire world, a, a reactive shift. The reactive shifts are the tough ones. I didn't expect them. I don't know if I have the confidence to press forwards. I don't know if I should press forwards. I didn't expect this. But also the proactive ones are just as difficult. I want this. I want to have a new job, new body, new health, whatever it is. So I, know I need to make some shifts. And so all it is, it's just essentially saying like, yeah, there's the micro shifts. But and I, when you say micro, there is micro. I have a process in our shift method we use that is it's a daily thing. We do a whole bunch of stuff work-wise outside of the structure. And then it's a daily piece. But what's unique is if you think about like an airplane, this isn't going to be a new thing people have heard about. But if I'm flying out of San Francisco where I live, head to Florida, like I want to go to Orlando, Florida. If I make a one degree shift south, one degree, just one, I'll end up 40 miles south in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah. Completely different place. Right? And all, all I did was just make one degree shift. I mean, if it's a half a degree, I'm going to end up 20 miles away, you know? And the journey of our life, a lot of us, we're, we're heading in a direction and don't realize we're going to end up in a place we don't want to be. If we don't make a shift, we're, we're not going to be able to get to the place we want to be. And some of those things are harder than others. So when it comes to, and this is this is obviously the um, the area that I'm, I'm most fascinated with, is just around the mental fitness practices to support those shifts and to support your work and, and kind of how you opened up uh, the show with, but just being you know, really settled inside. Like what are some of the things that are in check right now with your life or some of the non-negotiables when it comes to your, your health and your mental fitness. And obviously if there's any others that, you know, you're working on or, or, you know, want to explore, I mean, share those as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a whole lot, man, in my life. I'm, I'm always, uh, well, I guess the thing is I lead this, right? So in the realm of shift, and there's a lot of depth to it. We're kind of really covering the surface. We're not like not even scratching it, as they say. There's so much depth to the human in the brain. But but here's what I do know. In my life, we have three areas that are really pretty much key. We have health, wealth, relationships. And those are big areas, right? I want to I want to be healthy, and it's not just physical. I want to be mentally healthy. Uh, I want to have more money so I can have more freedom, more free time, more escape, more just everything. And, and then my relationships, I want to have all those things be experienced by people with me, right? I, I want to be healthy so I can take my wife and I on a trip somewhere and walk for a while and view all of Rome, right? I, I want to yeah. be able to, to yeah. spend the money that I'm making in, in ways that make me feel good. And I want to be able to share those things with relationships of people that are intimate or friends or colleagues or this podcast. We're, we're, we're developing a relationship now, right? They're not all intimate, but there's, there's those pieces of them. And so like my non-negotiables they all tie into that. And, and what it ends up being is like, for me, one is the relationships usually come first for me. So my family is the priority, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's always going to be the thing. Like I, if my kids need me, I'll miss a workout or cancel a meeting. You know what I mean? Like, so obviously I can't say, you know, my, my, you know, time with business is more important. My health's more important. People say my health's important. Yeah, it's important. But if something drops, what are you going to go to first? So for me, the relationships are non-negotiable. Like it's time with my kids, it's it's fishing trips, it's my wife wants to do a date day, and you know, it's it's whatever it may be. If she needs me to help her as a handyman at one of her businesses, like I'm getting my hammer out, bro. I'll cancel things and go do those. So that my non-negotiables are the reality that I will make a vote for what matters with my time. People will say all the time, like, oh, family's first, but they make a vote in opposition to that every moment of every day. So, so my vote goes towards that. 
And then the second thing does become for me the health piece, right? Because if I don't have my health, I, I can't be good for my family. I can't be good in the business. The, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but your actual physical health will allow you to do more in your work than you imagine. Just to be able to sit in front of the computer and focus for hours. Like because I'm able to have a healthy body, I can sit here and focus for probably, I'm not even joking, at least two to four hours more than most people. Sure. Get tired and sure. lethargic, right? So at the end of a year, let's say, you know, you do it four hours, I do eight. I have a year on top of you in progress and it just keeps opening that gap. Not, not because of anything more than I could just focus longer and I could stay more, more sane and be able to get more done. All right. I didn't get tired too quickly or frustrated. So because of that, I make more professional progress, right? And it makes me, allow me to have more income, which is the wealth portion of it. So because I have more income, like I can do things. And so for me, all those levels matter, right? The health is a priority. I work out in the morning, I get the bike in the evening or at the afternoon, I get a little lift in, right? I, I do this at least five to seven days a week. So I'm in that window, but doesn't, it's not because I, I just do it for, you know, the reason to be looking good in the mirror, which is part of it. I'm not going to lie. Sure. You're human. I do. I, I want to feel good, man. Yeah. And on top of that, I want to be able to make a great amount of money in life. It's, and not for the money purpose, but the facilitation of it. I can do, I just got off a call with Pencils of Promise. I'd love to donate to them. I, I sit on the boards of organizations for foster youth. Uh, I want to be able to take my family places and set up generational wealth for my kids. I don't want to make money at the expense of anybody's, you know, hardship or their pain. And anyway, I want to serve the world to create the income. But I'm not going to sit here and be a person. It's like, it's not about the money. No, it is. Like, but it's, it's not about the money itself. It's what the money can do. Yeah, but it experiences. Can what it can be great for. And so in those areas, man, my non-negotiables, they tie into family first, health comes into that. And then I'm focused on generating revenue through impact. And when you focus on those things, you understand that people who do that, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's weird to think we grow up when we're poor thinking that people with money are bad people. Like that's how I grew up. Oh, they must've done something wrong. I literally used to believe the only way you can make a million dollars was if you did something wrong to somebody along the way. I mean, it's a full out personal belief of mine. And then as I got older and realized like I had a lot of millionaire friends that are awesome people, like what happened? Sure. Where, where was I wrong, man? But that, these are all things that over time have become shifts in perspective, shifts in different levels. Like, and I, it's a shift in my identity. And there are levels, like there's actual six components and drivers of, of identity. But when you dig into them, understand who you are through the viewpoint of them, it allows you to say, oh, I should probably shift away. I, I handle that or see that or do those things. But those little shifts, man, those would make those massive changes over time. Well, just staying on that topic and, and in relation to the mind and, and right back how you answered, you know, who are you and the, the notion of just feeling settled, right? And, and comfortable inside your body. And you've done the work yeah. to do that. You, you know, like practically speaking, what are you doing to manage the narratives that we all face or we all hear, um, you know, the motions that may come up that sometimes derail us or like, you know, shit just happens throughout the day. Right. We we're talking about yeah. that today, but so things, are there any, any little tips, tricks, um, that you have found helpful, uh, in your life to help pause the narrative or release it or, or, you know, work it out type thing? Oh yeah, man. I got, I got very specific practices. I got, I got two. One is one that I do in the moments of the day when things go crazy. I did it today. Uh, and one is one that I do every day. That's actually the foundation of the work I do. And it, it comes to a head uh, and a, a practice that people, if you do it every day, man, it'll shift your entire life. 
Uh, and you could make massive shifts in as little as like 60 to 90 days. I mean, massive ones. I'm not talking about like, I feel better by myself. I'm talking like better job, better health, everything within like 60 to 90 days. The one that I do when, when the crap hits the fan is called my seven second ritual. And mm-hmm. I do this because I realize that, that most of the time when our emotions take off, like there's this thought that actually I recently found was a little bit out of, out of context, but what I've heard, many people have heard is when your emotions are high, your intelligence is low. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah, I spoke, I have a woman on my podcast who's like, it's not so much your, your intelligence is low, but you do process difference. You're still just as smart, but you know, you, you're, you're having this different chemical added that kind of throws off the, the complete logic. There's a fog. It. Yeah, fog. So at the same time, though, when I'm in that space of emotion, I'm operating from there at all times, which there's times you want to operate in emotion. When I'm competing, like I want to be in a, a emotional, like get some things done, like I'm going I'm to figure it out because then my intelligence somehow does come into play, right? Mm-hmm. But anger is a cloudy emotion. And when you get to those moments, what happens is it'll drive the train. And I look at it for me in those seven seconds, what I'm doing is I'm stopping for a second and realizing that I'm at the helm of the train. Because most people don't ever stop to do that. They don't realize that if you just let the emotion ride, you'll wake up and be like, what in the, I was sleeping the whole time. (laughs) What took place? So I sit in heated emotional moments or even crazy good ones. And I'll breathe for seven seconds, deep breaths. And then I I tell my brain to do one of two things. The brain has to, it'll do this. It'll find a solution or it'll find an excuse and a problem. And most of us are tuned for the excuse of the problem. This went crazy. Let me find out what I can do to, you know, make an excuse or to, you know, to make myself feel better or like find the problems and I'll complain about the problem all day. It's so-so's fault. How could they do this? And we go down this big, oh, my, my gardener decided to come hang out again. <laughs> him. This is, Look at him hanging out. This is just the ambiance of the show. It's That's the ambiance of the show. We're going to let it ride. But then here's where the place that I love my brain to go. And I have to, we have to tune it for this because the brain will go where you send it. I then go find solutions. And solutions, I talked about this on a podcast I recorded just a little bit ago. I do a daily podcast. The solution aspect to it is really the, it's the key because it's not easy to do, but it's necessary. And typically in those heated moments, it's the last thing I'm trying to do. I'm mad. I'm angry. I don't want to find a solution. I want to wallow in it. I want to feel bad. I want you to feel bad. And so what we do is we get to this moment where we just kind of like it takes over and I do things that I wish I wouldn't have done and moments I want to have back. But if you tune your brain to find a solution it may be hard, but it will find it. It may take time, but it'll find it. And I realize that for me, when I get to those heated moments, there's one thing I put out in front of me at all times. How can I make the next moments of my life better? Mm. This is a lead for all of it. How can I make the next moment? And it's not always a thing that I want to do right now. I may want to punch somebody. But I get cut off for some reason in one little corridor by my house. Probably <laughs> I've been cut off more times in the last year in this area than my entire life. Like combined. Sure. People just, I'm talking, they will literally zoom in front of me and my truck has this like auto brake. I'll go from 45 to screeching in the middle of the street because my brakes lock up because some guy wanted to cut across to get to Chick-fil-A. I'm not even joking. This has happened twice. And, and in my head, the first time it happened, I was like, all right, well, Chick, I got to get my kids. I'm on the way to get my kids. The Chick-fil-A line, he's going to be there for at least 15, 20 minutes. I can go back there and have a good little ear with this guy, right? This is what my brain wants to do right now. I'm like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to, you know, throw some pennies at his car. I'm just joking. I'm not going to do that. But I'm just like, I'm pissed. I'm, whoa, what am I going to do? And I remember, I, you know, I had to breathe seven seconds, bro. What's going to make the next moments of this life better? And to be honest, it would be no better going and having an altercation in the Chick-fil-A parking lot with some guy in a car. 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. And the reality is I had to tune my brain for solutions. What was the solution? The solution was move on with your day, man. Your kids need you to be a present guy. Your kids don't need you in jail. Your, ki you know, your kids need you to take you home. It was actually my son's birthday of all things, his 16th birthday. Hmm. Your son needs you to get back there on time. That's going to make your day better. And it's not what I wanted to do. Oh, my emotions wanted to go back and have an ear with this guy. Because the worst part, when I drove by and looked at him, he kind of looked at me like he didn't give a damn. And whoa, oh, that's the worst, that's you know? Worst. Dude, man. And just, <laughs> and you know what? I, ha I realized that this is also the thing where my brain goes, people who do stuff like that, man, sometimes their greatest punishment is to have to continue to live their own life. Yeah, totally. I let them live it. And so like, this is where my brain goes. So I do this for work and what it looks like, I pause, I sit down, I breathe for seven seconds. I go, okay, what's going to make this moment, the next moment of my life better? What's the solution? And I, I think of the solution by shutting out the Anthony that's angry. I put him in a room over there and Anthony right here presently starts thinking about it from a logical standpoint. And then I bring that guy back in the room. I go, okay, here's what we got to do. And he goes, no. I don't want to do that. And I go, we're going to do it though. <laughs> I don't want, okay. And then we end up doing that thing. That's the right thing. And this becomes my ritual for heated moments. Now, the other thing is how do I keep my life in flow? And, and to be honest, dude, this is where, this is where I do my work. This is, I call it rhythm. Okay. As much as we talk about identity and what I do in this world and the shift, right? It's an identity shift, right? Identity is, it's who you are when you aren't thinking about who you are. It's just, it's your natural flow, man. It's your disposition. It's how you see things, how you read things, how you handle situations, where you see opportunity. When you say thank you, when you say please, it's, you know, it's, it's literally, it's who you are. When people think about you, it's the emotion they feel when they attach themselves to the thought of you. It's your identity. Now, it, there's a lot of science behind it where it sits in the brain. But to be honest, I like to think of it like, it's your song, man. It's your rhythm. And some people, you think about the, the song, everybody has their own song. Some rhythms are amazing. Some songs you want to play on repeat, you know, like when I'm living my life in groove, like I am right now, and I've got these things, I'm, I'm settled inside where I love my rhythm. Mm. I got a tick to my life. And I'm not talking about routine. Routine is like your morning routine, your evening routine. I'm talking about all the little nooks and crannies in between that are also, in, you know, encompass that as well. But when I look at the rhythm, some people got a rhythm where the song is amazing. It, it plays on repeat, where some people, their song has the same instruments, right? It could be your job. It could be your health. It could be same instruments, Right but you sound like a two-year-old with a drum set. <laughs> it's just, it's all over the place, man. And so you're, you're, you're spinning out one day, you're burned out the next day, you're frustrated, you're frustrated, you're trying these things and they're not working or you give all of your all to one area, like your, your work and you don't give it to your family or your health, you know? You're out of rhythm, man. But we're all, we all have the same instruments, but people just, they, they can't find their song. So they keep skipping the song. The next day I'll get it. The next day I'll get it. The next day I'll get it. I'll try something. And they never figure it out. And so... What I do is I dial things back to like first thinking through what you're actually doing. People are really, really good at doing things, but not good at being clear if it's the right thing to do. Okay. So we spend all this time doing things. We, we borrow habits from people and borrow ideas that aren't even a fit for our version of what the end result of a dream should be. And we do these things and we, we get lackluster results. We get frustrated. It's just craziness. And so the first thing is like, I, I get everybody to do all this work in the background to figure out what I call your ideal identity. How do you want to feel about your humanity and yourself, your identity? Then we look what's called roots and fruits, which is your experience of life. How do you want to experience life in the 10 different areas we really experience life? And then it comes down to actions and habits and reactions. It always does, man. Your life is lived through actions, habits, and reactions. And I add to drivers to it. So I call it the hard method. So uh, when, when you do the hard things, life is easy, right? So habits, actions, reactions, and drivers. But what I do is every day I do something called shift. 
And, and it, it's a lot to go into. We have full coaching programs that unpack it all, but sure. what it boils down to is S H I F and T. And this, if you're listeners, man, if you guys just take this at, at face value and apply it alone by this way it is, it'll change your life. Uh, the depth you go will actually have a vast more change, but here's how it works. The S stands for start right. It's a morning routine. You have to start your day right. Now we have short routines and long routines because sometimes we can't do the whole thing, but the brain's a predictive tool. It likes to know what's coming. And just like when I warm up before a workout, like my body knows, hey, get the heart rate going, you know, warm up the joints, you know, get a little bit, you know, warmer, put some synovial fluid into that bad boy, time to get a workout. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm about to get in a podcast like this, I know, hey, I'm going to get into a rhythm for um, warm my voice up, or I'm going to go get it like, you know, a, a, more, a cup of tea or something. I'm going to get myself to a, a stable space. I know my routine for turning my office on and it tells my brain, time to go to work, Aunt. let's get focused. Now, the same thing happens for your day. If you don't have a routine in place, as much as people know this, oh my gosh, they don't do it. It's so weird. It's like, wild. you know, you hear it from every, if you look at the CEO, the top, you know, CEOs in the world, something like 98% have a morning routine. Why? Because they just, they all lucked into it. No, do they know it works? It sets the tone for the rest of your day. And if you start to control the controllables, you can control your life, right? The H stands for healthy choice. It's fairly simple. Most people don't make healthy choices throughout the day. Therefore, they can't compound. So what I mean by that is like healthy doesn't mean like healthy choice for a meal. It means, look, if you, you know, say, for example, smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, you will cut it down to a half a pack. You know, if you eat out three times a day, maybe you do cut it to two. Maybe the healthy choice is you don't hang out with that person. You know, you tell them I can't hang out today. You make a choice for your mental and physical health every day. And the thing is, the more you do it, the more compounds. You don't, if you did it for, you know, 30 days, you're not going to want to do it day 31 because you know you're going to mess up day 30 through one. You know, like, I'm not going to mess that up. Then you have a healthy choice and it makes progress. I create a little bit of pride, which is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. The I is big. The I stands for imperative activity. What is every day's imperative activity? Now, yes, there are multiple things we're going to do all throughout the day, but a lot of us have big visions and dreams that we're waiting till next Friday to do from five to seven. I'm going to get it done then. And then Friday comes and it's five o'clock and you're dead tired. I'll do it next Friday. You never make progress. In your head, it's some daunting task. When I look at it and say, look, let's just look at it pretty simple. We'll go ahead down the pathway and say, I'm just going to take this thing and, and chop it up and break it apart into what can I do for 15 to 30 minutes every day that makes progress? Now, maybe it can be an hour. Maybe it can be two, whatever it is, but you do not go to bed until that thing is done. And usually... It's, you know, it's a, it's a professional thing or it's a personal thing. I want to fix my marriage, right? So every day I'm going to do something great for my wife or I want to launch a podcast. Every day I'm going to do something specific to lead into a podcast. It doesn't mean you're going to record it. Maybe today you spend some time researching other podcasts and listen to two of them, right? Or maybe today you, uh, you find out how to find someone Fiverr to make the images of your podcast. Like next, then tomorrow you reach out to them. Then you, you, you start the task. Then you find out how you can do an intro, like little stuff. Progress. What happens is, what it is, you build it in time. And now what happens is you don't go to bed until that thing is done. Yeah. And it should scare you like a millimeter out of your comfort zone. A little bit outside, right? But you do that for 90 days. We do called shift in three. It's three 90-day blocks. Dude, if you do that for 90 days, but the back end of 90, not only have you actually accomplished and achieved and created something, but you built this amazing pride because you did it every day. And now like I'm that person who does that thing. You can't take that away. And that's so the powerful. progress and achievement. 
Then you have what's called the F, which is finding joy. Uh, a lot of people in our lives, man, we are tuned to find the problems. We just do, man. If you ask somebody, hey, can you take me to the airport tomorrow? The first thing our brain goes to is, why can't I? <laughs> like, we're oh, tuned yeah. for it. And so the reality we go to is I go, okay, let me, um, let me go back and look in three areas. I want to see where can I find gratitude. If I get to the end of the day and I didn't have any, you know, finding joy, I can at least find gratitude in the fact that I'm alive, right? And you just find gratitude for a moment. But the other two are usually the ones I like to have people do. It's called finding a silver lining. I look at something and I try to make my brain find the positive. I, I look for it on purpose. If you don't go looking for it again, your brain will not find it. So I go looking for something that gives me a little bit of joy, like, oh, you know what? Here's, here's the positive within the situation. Like this morning, my team, they did something that, that's going to cost us some money. And the silver lining is, now I know that that mistake is possible, so I can engineer it out. <laughs> like, I didn't sure. know how they did it, but I'm like, man, all right. Well, the silver lining is, that'll never happen again, <laughs> like ever. <laughs> uh, and, and it's good because, it, you know, it was a smaller scale, but it could be big later on, right? It's a silver lining. And then if I can't find silver lining, I can find a new perspective. So it's gratitude, silver lining, new perspective. A new perspective comes from outside perspectives. I can call somebody and go, hey, man, Mark, I'm dealing with this thing right now. What would you do here? And, and I mean, 99 times out of 100, everybody I've talked to, like there's usually somebody with a different viewpoint that goes, why don't you just do this? Oh, my gosh. Why didn't I think of that, you know? And so find these new perspectives, tune my brain to find joy, which makes me experience more joy. When you experience yeah. more joy and come from that place, dude, life's a different monster. Well, and if, if, if just uh, before the last one, the other nice thing about that, obviously, it just, it fires off that neurochemical cocktail too, right? And, oh, yeah. And you're, you're just in a, in a better place. It's, it's so, I mean... I like the word shift even more now. Please continue. <laughs> Listen, I actually created a piece of technology around this and how people can weave it in. Because I'm just giving you the surface level. There is yeah, so much to how we craft these and structure them for people. But the T is what's called tree task. And this is really where I look at the life experience. All the previous four, they start creating that rhythm of, of your identity, right? When you're able to accomplish tasks, that's who you are now. Because I'm the guy or girl that got that thing done, right? Or when I'm able to start right, like it creates a sense of confidence. That's who I am now. I'm a confident person. The last one really ties to what's called life experience. I call it roots and fruits as my gardener comes to hang out again. Hey, my man, I want to go out there and like help him so he gets done faster. You know, like, <laughs> I have no idea. He usually comes on Fridays. I don't know why he's here. It's, I love the guy, um, but he's, he's here at the wrong time. <laughs> uh, the last one is this. So I, I have this exercise we call roots and fruits. I believe all of us, we, we lose sight of the fact in life that we, uh, of where we stand. And this is kind of tied to a metaphor. So I really want to give these people a chance to unpack this and hear this. When I lost football, man, um, I lost a lot of my life. I lost my marriage after that. And I was a bad father. Business that I'd started were tanking. I didn't feel like a good human. And it was because the apple fell off the tree. The fruit of my labor of football fell off the tree, man. And we feel like that apple, like it falls off the tree, it lays on the ground and it can hang for a little bit, right? You know, I can, that apple can get picked up by the farmer, driven to the market. I can go buy it, put it on my counter. But at some point, the apple will rot and it takes time, but eventually the apple of me rotted, man. And I felt like a horrible human inside uh, and it, 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 everything caved. And it took me years, like five years to realize in my life that whenever we have the fruit of our labor ripped from us, you know, the relationship falls, I lose the job, I lose some money and I lose a piece of me that I thought was me. I lose a lot. And what happened was I forgot and didn't realize I was never the apple and we are always the tree. Ooh. You've always been the, the, the source of it, man. And, 
And so what happens is we stop giving the tree the nutrients. We, we, we put it in the wrong soil and environment. And then the roots can't go deep enough to be able to withstand the storms of life. So when the winds come blowing, the tree gets thrown around, right? And on top of that, it can't create fruits, any more fruits. So when I lost football, obviously, if I'm, if I'm dead inside, I'm not, I'm not taking care of the, the branches. I'm not watering the tree. So the rest of the fruit dies, relationship and the parenting relationship and my health and the business. So obviously, right? And I, I was like, man, I got to go back and take care of this tree. And I really started to unpack, well, what are the roots and fruits of our life? And this is my life experiences in there, what's called faith, family, health, friends, and emotional control. Those are our roots. If we have a solid base of faith and family and friends and health and emotional control, we can do anything, man. We can withstand any storm, no matter what blows our way. And if you take that and put it in the right soil, the roots grow deeper, which means better environments, better communities, right? Remove yourself from places. But here's the cool thing is when you start doing that, now I can produce fruit. And the fruits of your career, the thing you do every day, your education, how I'm learning about life and finding wisdom, which means hope and opportunity and, and opposition that get, kind of tackles it easily, right? Then you have what's called your escape. What am I doing to escape into the world and experience this crazy thing that we call life? Because most people just slave away, right? I got to escape into the world and see this big bad boy. The next piece is called finances, which is what am I doing to create revenue and money that gives me a peace of mind? Doesn't create happiness, removes stress though. And I can live my life with the right finances. And the last one's my purpose, my lift. What gives me life inside for triumph? Like what, when I get up in the morning, do I know why I got up, right? And so what I do for people is we work through all of these. And there's some questions we ask and some flow. But eventually what you do is you dial it into a, a measurement system and figuring out what is one action you can take towards this each day. Now, there's going to be 10, right? You're not going to do every one every day, but every day you do one. Sure. So you get to that key. It's a tree task. So maybe, for example, I want to work on my family relationships. So I'm going to do more date days with my wife or dad day with my kids, right? Or I want to work on the family uh, in immediate. I'm going to call my mom, call my dad, right? And the thing is what happens is we'll go through our life desiring to improve these areas, but never actually doing it. Totally. So what you do is if you do this for 90 days, well, every day you do a tree task as well, which means I'm going to send a text message to my kids, you know, that I haven't talked to in a while. Let them know how much I love them. Yesterday, my, my yesterday's text message, my wife usually gets up later than me. And I, I was eating breakfast. And I was like, man, my wife is dope as hell, bro. She holds it down. So I sent her a message. I said, I want you to wake up to this. And I sent her this message of like, you're incredible. I love, I love how you love our kids. I love how you love me, your sexy body, you're in shape and take care of your body. She's amazing businesses. Like, I was like, if nobody's told you, you're a damn incredible woman. Like, and she woke up and you can't tell me, she was in a good mood, man, but you can't tell me you get that message and don't feel good. Oh, for so sure. For me, the tree task was that. Now imagine if you go through the next 90 days and every day you started right with a, a, a phenomenal morning routine, you were able to be able to make a healthy choice. You were making progress on your imperative activity. You purposely found joy and you did one of 90 things or one of these 10 things over 90 days to increase the experience of life that you don't make an amazing shift. Like the, the people we work through this with, we dig into like, what's your, what's your IA? What's your imperative activity? What do you want to launch and create? We finally get them making progress on it. I think we're in this epidemic of self-esteem. We buy stuff and don't do anything with it, right? So like, <laughs> man, when people go through this, this is the stuff that we do to help create a clear picture of who do they want to become identity-wise how do they want to experience their life? What do they want to achieve? And how do they want to feel? And when we do this every day and we have an app that comes out that's actually tracking and tweaking all this stuff, dude, 
it's a game changer. And this is how you make shift happen. Like I tell people. I love it, man. And I appreciate, I know, I know you're keeping it on the surface. Obviously we, you know, we only have so much time and, um, you know, you know, I want people to have a, the full experience with you, your team and the app and everything as it deserves. But I do want to say, I appreciate you sharing those steps because, you know, I think it, even for myself, it definitely fires off the, the mind to start thinking about some of these things uh, a little bit more seriously, right? Yeah. Being a, a little bit more intentional in, uh, in my day personally. It's great stuff. I, um, I definitely, I mean, I want to respect your time. And I want to make sure you can get out there and help that gardener before he's out. <laughs> so yeah. I'll ask you the last question, which is, you know, just all said and done, what, what makes you smile each day? Oh man, life, man, this crazy thing of life. Love I, it. I have a, I have a very uh, high level of, of just joy. I, I went to this thing, a life model class at a church years ago. My, my uncle and aunt took me to it. And it was about this guy in the woods, dude, seriously, creepy dude. It was, it was seriously a weird the guy's like the whole thing's filmed in the woods somewhere and he's like walking around. It's, it's, it seems like Blair Witch Project, but like happy version. Yeah. Anyways, so he talks about joy and I love this perspective he said of a joy tank. And he says, when you have this like joy tank and you think about it, when you're low on joy, you, you can't steal it from someone. You can't take it. You have to borrow it. And you borrow it from other human beings. And whenever you have a low level, like you got to also give it out because it will return to you. It's the one thing that it's interesting when you find joy in pouring out you never get empty. You pour out from a cup that's constantly being filled. So when you say what makes me smile like life, because within life, I realize the absolute best and absolute worst parts of this life are people. Hmm. It sucks, but it is. Yeah. And for me, I surround myself with amazing people. I have great conversations consistently. I, I love the human beings that live in my household with me, my broke roommates. But, uh, but dude, <laughs> yeah. like I... I, that's my, that's my life. And so because of that, I have these great experiences and my, my cup fills up and I pour out doing something like this, that brings me joy, same to my kids. And so, man, when I, when I seriously pause and I have my like heartfelt, I have those moments where like it overwhelmingly hits me how great life is probably once a week. Um, but it's always tied to the people. And so like what makes me smile as humans, what makes me sad as humans. Right. But at the same time, it gives me the ability to have that juxtaposition to see, man, with all this stuff going on and people being crazy. I appreciate the people that I love even more. Totally. Well, here's to joy, life, and, you know, settling into ourselves. Um, beautiful, beautiful conversation. I, I want to thank you for your time. And, and most importantly, thank you for your energy you're putting out in this world and helping so many people out there you know, working through your upbringing and everything that you had the process to get to this place where, you know, you can bring joy to others. So thank you for that. Hey, you're very welcome, man. I appreciate you having me on. Seriously. Uh, good conversation. You're good at what you do. It's always good to be, uh, to be on with a pro, man. So thank you. Oh, now, now, now I'm smiling. I appreciate it. 